Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Good. I now have so many daily mini crossword battle opponents. It's oh, great. Okay, so I didn't get them. Like I, I'm on my own little oh, thing, so yeah, I'm you not gotta on separately here. do it. Oh, that sounds like so much That's work. That's okay. We'll just God, do battle you me consistently and you. kick my ass. In case you don't know what we're talking about, Heaven and I do the New York Times Daily Mini, and we compete, and Heaven always beats me, and it's frankly humiliating. That's that's I what I'm hate here for. It. <laughs> but you know, like the one time I win, I'm gonna like, tweet it out oh, for all the world to see. Well aware. Um, uh, we have a bunch of people to thank before oh, we move on. Thank you to some of our Patreon supporters: Valerie S, Mark S, Eric C, Lane M, Arlene Z, Jenna S, John B, Ruby P. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Do you think John B is my dad, John Blumke? Yes. Oh, yes, thanks, Dad. I do. You finally approve of me. <laughs> Um, before we get started, I want to remind people, if you live in D.C. or Toronto, um, I'm going to be there um, doing, like, a little mini meetup. It's really probably just going to be, like, me, my husband, and, like, two other people. It's going to be small. Nice. But if you want to come say hi on in D.C., um, on Monday, August 19th at 6 p.m., we'll be at City Bar, um, which is the rooftop at, of the Hyatt Place, 400 East Street Southwest. Thank you to Beth for being my point person in D.C., and then Toronto, Monday the 26th, um, probably closer to 7-ish. Um, I'll get details. Uh, done right in, say 7 o'clock. Done right in um, at eight. 861 Queen Street West, and thank you to Larissa, whose husband is bartending. Awesome. So that's going to be fun. Have fun, you guys. Yeah. Uh, let's start with this story out of Kentucky because it's awesome. And to make sense good. of what's happening here, you have to understand, okay, we've talked about Pro- Project Blitz, the wonderful named Christian rights attempt to just throw as many Christian but nationalism bills in state legislatures and see what happens. doesn't exist anymore when they call themselves <laughs> Project Blitz. Right. So they're literally blitzing these legislatures with as many bills as possible. One of them is putting in God We Trust in public schools. Like, it's, I think there so are important. nine states now that have passed laws saying public schools have to put up the words in God We Trust yeah. in every public school in the state. Mm-hmm. But in Kentucky, the guy who wrote the bill, and by wrote, I mean he took the Project Project Blitz uh, template, yeah. yeah, and then he basically turned it in, put his name on it, which is what they want. Right. Uh, Brandon Reed is the guy's name, Republican in the State House in Kentucky. He's also an evangelist. That's cool. his day job. Um, he filed this bill. It got signed into law earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And as of now, this is the first week of school. They're back in Kentucky. Um, all these schools need to have in God we trust. Right. But in other states, they have rules in the law that say you have to put the words in God we trust in a prominent location uh-huh. in the building. It must be on a poster of like 11 by 17 inches or whatever they say. <sighs> They're very specific and then they're like, within the boundaries of that, do whatever you want. So if Have kids want to, if kids want to paint it on the wall and you make it a mural, go for it. Yeah. Um, whatever. But in Kentucky, uh, one of the people who reads this site, uh, her name is Brittany Pike. Her husband is Johnny Pike, who's the Kentucky State Director for American Atheists. Oh, uh-huh. They said, "Hey, we just went to our daughter's school." Oh, she was quoted in the. Um, she is quoted in many places. Yeah. They were like, we just went to our daughter's school and they put up in God we trust in the school. Like it was in the main office Mm. where kids would see it, but it's not the phrase and it's not some giant painting. It's just a framed copy of a $1 bill, like the back of it. genius. Because the back of a paper dollar, whatever currency, Mm. says in God we trust, but in tiny little letters. And you could kind of interpret the dollar bill however you want. Like, hey, kids, you're all number one to us. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want to do. Capitalism is going to slowly destroy your dreams. (laughs) (laughs) I believe the school's actual thing is, well, when they 
put In God We Trust on the currency in the 1950s, they said this is the way you would, like, do the most good by, like, to promote godliness or whatever. So I don't know whether they're saying that tongue-in-cheek because they sure act like, no, we're doing everything right here. Yeah. But to me, they're saying that with a giant wink at the end. Uh And it turns out, I I called the district, the the news outlets in the area finally gotten statements from the district. No, they're doing this district-wide. It's not just one school. Yeah. This is the Fayette County Public Schools. This is in Lexington. And... All I'm saying is, look, they should, every school district in the state ought to be doing something like this because it's a beautiful subversion Uh of what all these Republicans, with the help of plenty of Democrats, like, this is what they wanted. They wanted In God We Trust. Well, now they got it. And the hilarious thing is that the guy who wrote this bill, Brandon Reed, Mm -hmm. he's been in the news now, too. Um, by the way, this is the same guy who, when he filed the bill, he said, hey, we're one nation under God, and that reality should be reflected in public life. Sure. Here's his statement now. It is extremely disappointing to see Fayette County Public Schools spend time searching for silly loopholes oh, so much to time. a law, blah, blah, blah. Fayette County has instead chosen to play political games. <laughs> like, dude, they followed your law to the letter. Yeah. And then went with it however they wanted to go. He's mad because they're following his law and then took liberties where he didn't specify anything. Like, you should be giving them an award for creativity. Right. But he's pissed off that they, like, followed the rules and he has nothing to complain about. Yeah. That's the best part. What's he going to do? No, you can't put... Money, it doesn't count when it's in God we trust on the money. Like, no, that goes against the Christian. It's so wild. (laughs) By the way, this is, again, this is the superintendent of that district. I feel like he's saying this with a wink, but there was no wink here. He His response to Reed's statement, Uh uh, his name is Manny Koch. We appreciate the spirit of bipartisanship and cooperation that Representative Reed mobilized to pass legislation that had a direct impact on 1,466 public (laughs) schools in Kentucky. (laughs) Which, by the way, like, no administrator in a public school has ever said, thank you, government, for telling my schools what to do. We love it. (laughs) This guy goes on to say, as a student of history, I am disappointed to hear Fayette County's compliance with the state law requiring the display of the nation's motto described as a loophole. (laughs) Our actions are not part of a political game, as Representative Reed suggested. Like, they passed a resolution, he says, like in 1955, saying that, quote, the most appropriate and enduring placement of the national motto was on all U.S. currency and coins. How can that display used daily in commerce be acceptable and ours considered unfortunate and silly? Oh, my God. Wink, wink, wink. It's so good. <laughs> it's great. Good for you, Kentucky. Oh, my God. So I love seeing all these local news outlets uh, talking about this whole thing as if like, hey, look at this district. They yeah. did something sneaky. And the district's like, we didn't. We just followed the we rules. The Why things. are you mad at us? Um, by the way, American Atheist. So Johnny Pike, whose uh, wife, Brittany, posted this picture. Mm-hmm. And that's what went viral. Johnny works with American Atheist. And American Atheist is now encouraging a project to get every school in Kentucky to do something similar. Uh And in fact, they are making available a giant poster, which, hey, all the In God We Trust people ought to love this. Because again, the law did not specify that In God We Trust has to be the only thing you put up or or what font it has to be. Right. So American Atheist is offering for free, for anyone who wants it, a giant poster. And I'm going to read it to you. There's not a lot of words. Okay. In 1956, at the height of the Cold War, Congress passed a law declaring, In God We Trust, the national motto of the United States, in order to distinguish the United States from the Soviet Union. This replaced the traditional motto of the United States, first adopted by Congress in 1782, and then in big font in the middle. E pluribus unum, Latin for out of many, one. (laughs) U.S. flag, Kentucky flag. So in the middle of this poster, so all you see good. from a distance is E Pluribus Unum. And then if you go above and you're closer to it, you'll see in a little tinier font, <laughs> in God we trust. That's very so good. So they're making that poster size thing available mm-hmm. to anyone who wants it. 
Again, I don't know how many people will take them up on it, but they should. Yeah. Because it's a stupid law. Yes. <laughs> Correct. So anyway, best story ever. I yeah. love it. That's fun. Um, and then I thought of you when I, I oh. had this one. Which you're means gonna I'm love about this. to scream. You're going to love it. So <laughs> here's the story. There is a guy... This is my favorite part of the year because you have all these candidates jumping into races that Mm -hmm. they have no business jumping into. Uh But there's a guy in Colorado who's running for the Colorado State House. He is a pastor because, of course, he's a pastor. Uh His name is Corey Seulean, S-E-U-L-E-A-N. But Corey is a pastor at a Baptist church. Mm -hmm. He's a graduate of the, like, uber-conservative Hiles Anderson College in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's heard of that college, you know it's one of these places where, like, to me, all the men wear, like, suits all the time. Yeah. Like, you're going to bed in a suit. I went to college in Indiana, and I've never heard that place. What's it called? Hiles Anderson with a Y in the Hiles. Um, But, like, very prim and proper and about as fire and brimstone-y as you can get. Uh So, anyway, this guy's running for Colorado State House, which... If you do nothing else, this guy is a gift to opposition researchers. Because, like, when you go to an ultra-conservative Christian college Mm -hmm. and you're a pastor, there's so much material to sift through. Oh, it's close to us. It's right in um. You could have gone there, is what you're saying. Gone there, it would have been a quicker commute. Yeah. So there. So anyway, one of the reporters uh, in Colorado was looking through just some basic stuff online, like, "Oh, who's this guy who just jumped into the race?" And under the comment thread on his campaign Facebook page, there was like, hey, I'm going to have a campaign launch. One of the commenters said something like, "Uh, Mr. I am going to tell the women in my congregation how to dress. Please pick a better candidate. Whoa. (laughs) Someone responds to this woman. What are you talking about? Same woman responds. We attended his church at one point. He would get in front of the congregation and basically tell us women should not wear pants. We should wear skirts or, quote, modest culottes. <laughs> unquote. Not sure. Not sure that is the best candidate to be putting forward. Culottes. He, he deleted all of this, but they got the screenshots. And this woman basically said the same thing. But, uh, Colorado Times recorder, the reporter for that outlet, Madeline Schmidt, basically saw that and asked the campaign, hey, what's this lady talking about? Did you ever tell women that they shouldn't wear pants? And the response from the campaign is this. Uh, Basically, here's, I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say women have to wear or shouldn't wear pants Uh or that they can't wear pants. Uh He's saying they shouldn't wear pants. But, like, he's running for office and he's not going to, like, legislate your pants. That's my paraphrase of it. Here's what they actually (laughs) said. This is his son, who's his campaign manager. He believes that in today's day and age, pants on a woman woman sometimes can show a woman's body immodestly. That's why he's taught it's proper, he believes, for a woman to wear a dress or modest culottes. He believes, yes, a woman should dress modestly, and part of that goes into women not wearing pants. His wife, Pam, I can tell you, does not own a pair of pants. She only wears dresses and skirts... And sometimes, on occasion... Modest Coolot. Bingo. That is going to be my new band name, Modest Coolot. Do you know what these are? Because I had to look them oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Coolots are like a... Um, well, it's a pant. But if you aren't really paying attention, it looks like a skirt. So they're really wide-legged and flowy. I'm they're, picturing like an MC Hammer type of... No, 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 no. <laughs> um, it doesn't come back in at the bottom. Oh, okay. They remain flowy. It's like, imagine like a mother of the bride... Like <laughs> she would probably wear culottes with like it a nice sound, it sparkly sounds jacket. So uncomfortable. <laughs> no, they're just not my like they're not flattering on anyone. Right. Okay. Culottes. So, That's so fucking. This good. is what this guy is introducing himself to the world with. And by the way, so last night after this article came out in the uh, Colorado Times Recorder, they issued a campaign statement last night. On their website with, like, all the proper font and lettering and everything, like, in response to dress standard claims to whom it may concern. 
blah, blah, blah. That being said, Corey, whatever his last name is, is not seeking election to the Colorado House of Representatives to implement a mandatory dress standard for the state of Colorado. His personal stance on what is modest apparel will have no impact on his work as a state legislator. Sure. Which is totally false. Like, no, that's the whole reason anyone cares about this. Because if you're saying, here's what women should dress like in my private life. Right. Like, that is going to spill over Mike Pence wannabe. And those opinions don't live in a vacuum. He doesn't have one opinion on how women should dress (laughs) or behave. You can guarantee goddamn tea that he has plenty (laughs) of thoughts. Right. Like, I'm sure if he won the primary and he's actually the candidate here, is he going to allow a female reporter to follow him? Jesus. No, like we've had that already. Um, he's already anti-abortion. He makes no secret of that. So right. like he, we know he wants to control what's in the culottes <laughs> and he can't handle the thing either. By the way, Colorado a few years ago had another crazy right wing extremist pastor who got elected in the state house. His name is Gordon Klingenschmidt, who does this weird public access show that's Gordon on YouTube. Gordon Klingenschmidt? Yep. Pastory name. Um, And here's what he got known for. He finally got voted out a couple of years ago. Here's what he was known for during his brief stint in the Colorado House. There was a horrible story, like uh, trigger warning for everyone. Uh There was a horrible story about how this woman who was pregnant was attacked by some stranger, like out on the street somewhere, Uh takes a knife, (gasps) cuts her up. The fetus was killed. Uh She's alive. And his response to that tragedy, which you can expect generated all this outpouring of love and support for this poor woman. Here's what Gordon said. I'm paraphrasing. He's like, well, this is just God's way of punishing us for allowing legalized abortion. Wow. That's what the last guy did. Even Republicans in Colorado are like, what the hell? Cut it out, dude. Yeah. And then he got voted out the next time around. So like Colorado has been through this before. And this guy is, this new guy is just like a spitting image it's, of the last one. Yeah, it's so funny because I in, in my head, Colorado is like this liberal place, but I just am thinking of Denver, I think. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's a purple state. That's why people are talking about John Hickenlooper maybe running for Senate now as a yeah, Democrat. Yeah, I think he dropped out. He dropped out, but he hasn't run for, he's not announced his Senate candidacy, oh, but that's only because it's a purple state when it comes to presidential type stuff. Sure. And even then, not necessarily presidential, but yeah. maybe certain Senate candidates but when you're in the state house where it's very localized at these elections, uh-huh. there are, I mean, Colorado Springs is a hotbed of evangelical Christianity. Sure. So are other parts of the state. So, like, this guy shouldn't be written off mm-hmm. as having no chance. Right. Uh, there is a Republican who has that seat right now. She's retiring, which is why he's, I think, jumping into this race. Oh, uh-huh. uh, But the funny thing is their launch party for the campaign, it had initially said, hey, that retiring sitting Republican is coming to our launch party, which suggests she's supporting this guy's candidacy. Huh. Next thing you know, her name is already off the list. Really? But that their campaign is like, no, she just couldn't make it. It's all good. You're still so close. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's wild. Okay. Do you want to talk about Steve King? Yeah, (laughs) I do. Speaking of Republicans saying the worst possible thing. And I love when Stephen King, the author, tweets, like, as a reminder, (laughs) (laughs) that is not me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you... uh... So this is Iowa Republican Representative Steve King in Congress. Human monster. Human monster. A guy so racist. So racist. In the age of Trump, so racist that Republicans said, you're not... You're still here. We can't force you to resign, really, for for just saying stupid shit, because otherwise every one of them would be out. Right. So they just said, we're taking you off of, like, all your committees, so you're just a body now. Like, you have no leadership within the Republican Party. Steve King says this week, he was basically asked about an abortion law in Iowa, and he told this group of conservatives, um, basically, uh, that... It was wrong to, in any abortion law, we should never allow exemptions Mm -hmm. for women who are victims of rape or incest. And he said, and I'm quoting here, what if we went back through all the family trees and just pulled out anyone who was a product of rape or incest? Would there be any population of the world left if we did that? Basically defending, in a weird way, rape and incest 
Because that's the way we're all here. All of humanity is dependent on, like, wars and it is women getting brutally, violently raped. The most bizarre... Te- like, I can't... <clears throat> I wanted to talk about this, too, and I just couldn't even put together a coherent thought because it's so nonsensical. Remember like, the good old days when Republicans are like, you can't get pregnant if it's a legitimate rape. But yeah. this guy's like, nope, all of humanity is caused by all kinds of yeah, rape. Yeah, they do need to hammer out their messaging. It's like, okay, let me see if I can compare it to something else. It's like if, because the Great Chicago Fire happened, and as a result, Chicago has more modern infrastructure. Because every old thing was burned down. Right, so we had to start again. It's like if we shut down the fire departments, because remember how good the fire <laughs> was eventually? We Chicago wouldn't be the city we know it without so this great Chicago fire. So, like, burn, baby, burn, I guess. <laughs> right? Like, it's just the most bizarre... I can't, I just can't. If I'm trying to, like, why would someone be so stupid as to say this? In his mind, his whole point was trying to get to is like, it doesn't matter how you were conceived as a fetus because you have the right to live. And that's his argument here. And that's why him and other pro-lifers are all like, no, rape is fine. She has to carry the baby. And somehow he went from that, which is already a horrible talking point, to, no, rape throughout history. Let's not denigrate rape throughout history. That's why we're here. He actually said, I can't say that I was not a part of a product of that. Like, congrats. bizarre. (laughs) By the way, Liz Cheney, a Cheney, responded to this saying, his comments were appalling and bizarre. Which yeah, I think that I saw really... I'm like, shit, I agree with Liz Cheney. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Look what you've done to us, Steve King. Yeah, and by the way, I, I was waiting to see, like, there is one Democrat who came really close to beating Steve King mm-hmm. in 2018, and he's going to run it. He's, he is running again for 2020. Um, J.D. Shulton is the Democrat's name. I was kind of waiting to see, how is this guy going to use this obvious softball thrown right. in his direction? Right. And what... I was like, what's he going to say? Oh, my God, I can't believe Steve King said this. No, his whole attitude is like, God damn it, we deserve better than this. Yeah. Here's his actual tweet. To answer Steve King's question, yes, which is like, uh, would there be any population of the world left if we did that? Yes, he added, our congressman continues to push his selfish agenda above the needs of our district. This time he excuses violence. This isn't what we stand for. Help us spread our message of positive change across all 39 counties. I saw that and I'm like, that's kind of subdued. Yeah. I was kind of waiting for you to like, yeah. give me the, the last punch here. But I think it's very much like, a, dude, we're so used to him saying stupid shit that the all you can do is to say, everyone, look what we have to deal with. Right. Give me some money so I can fight this guy in right. Iowa. Um, so good luck <sighs> to this guy. <laughs> God. Like, how do you be, st- how can you be Steve King whose entire career is saying the dumbest possible shit imaginable, uh-huh. and you still make news for saying even dumber shit. I mean, it's isn't that just like the world we live in is, this is the dumbest shit I have ever heard in my entire life, and then tomorrow happens, and it gets worse somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> what else? Oh, um, I wanted to talk about uh, an op-ed that was in Time. Yes. Um, by Reverend Rob Schneck. Schenick? S-C-H-E-N-C-K? Shen- so this guy, Schenick. if my Got memory's it. correct, this guy used to be like a hardcore extremist, anti-abortion, mm-hmm. like street fighter. Yeah. His he- whole shtick was, I am the most anti-abortion right. guy ever. Um, so apparently he's kind of taken a turn in the right direction. I think he's still a reverend, but he no longer is a monster, I guess. So I want to read, so essentially what his point is, is that he, in his, um, organization, Operation Rescue, um, 
he, I'm actually just going to read his words. Um, at, at rallies for the activist anti-abortion organization Operation Rescue, I depicted doctors who performed abortion as murderers, callous profiteers in misery, monsters, and even pigs. Then someone on the fringe of my movement shot and killed Barnett uh, Slepian, an OBGYN in Buffalo, New York, whom I called out by name in demonstrations and clinic blockades. So he's saying... So his harsh rhetoric led to the murder of an abortion exactly. provider. Um, and now he's linking that kind of uh, rhetoric to what he's seen from Trump. He said, uh, the president's coarse anti-immigrant language cannot be excused. It's not a matter of his being of his being impolite, politically incorrect, or just plain spoken. His words are uncalled for and are endangering more and more people. If Mr. Trump doesn't stop spewing derision, then angering tortured souls like the mass murder in El El Paso will continue to take him seriously, and there will be more bloodshed, more loss of life, more pain and trauma, and a deeply degraded way of life for all Americans. So... Good for him for good for him owning his. I mean, listen, <laughs> he obviously made terrible choices, right? And he's saying, "Dude, Trump is way too far." Yeah, <laughs> Goes way too far. So, I don't know. People with religious plat- platforms are using them for good sometimes. Yeah, that's I, fun. It doesn't mean you forgive the guy for like you're saying, right? Like, don't forgive him for his past, but just fine. Take what you can get when yeah. it comes to these people. If they say one right thing now, like right. good, give them a chance to change. You can criticize them, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't like the guy. No. But at the same time, it's like, good, you said I the mean, right he, thing. Keep doing he, it. He is finally using his platform responsibly yeah. instead of using it to incite balance. And he, he's speaking to an audience that probably needs to hear this, which right. I appreciate. So there's that. Okay. Yeah. So in Florida, uh, this is also the first week of school in Florida. And apparently, kids went into their classroom at First Coast High School in Jacksonville. One girl took a picture in her homeroom because there was a huge message on the board from the teacher. I'm going to read you Oh, this I saw message. this, but I didn't read it because so I this is from figured a, I'd be disgusted. Yeah. Science teacher Mr. Daniel Goodman. Here's the message on the wall. I bet he's wall. not a very good man. Uh, uh, that is correct. Uh, uh. Uh, you don't get anything for that. <laughs> Here's what he said. Think. We had about half a million Americans die in our Civil War, which was largely to get rid of slavery. There are no longer separate water fountains and bathrooms in Jacksonville for white and colored, Colored. as Mr. Goodman remembers from the 1960s. We have had a black president. The superintendent of our schools is a black woman. Our principal, he goes on, replaced a black man who is now a district administrator. Quote, my point... You are all extremely lucky to be living in the USA if you refuse to stand during the Pledge of Allegiance (gasps) or our national anthem. Are you revealing maturity and wisdom? Actually, you are displaying the opposite, as some pampered, arrogant celebrities and athletes tend to do. Oh. Signed, Mr. G. Jesus. Holy shit. Like, oh, hey, kids, who's saying of the pledge is voluntary and you never have to say it. If you do protest the pledge, oh you are an God. immature, ignorant, arrogant, pampered, like Colin Kaepernick clone. If I, I'm so, like, ornery that if I was in that classroom, as soon as the pledge started, I would, like, melt into the fucking floor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would, like... God, people are so weird about the pledge. Seriously. So here's the kind of good news. The district is like, well, those statements are not consistent with our school statute or school board policy. But they actually have removed the guy from the classroom for the time being. It's unclear of how long this... That's so inappropriate. Yeah, completely inappropriate. We don't know how long he's going to be out of the classroom. We don't know if this is a paid leave or unpaid leave. Uh Like, I would guess it's a paid leave while they investigate, though there's nothing to investigate. Like, everyone says he wrote it. It's there. Um, But also, like, okay, the Florida state rules, and this is what the district's defense was. Like, yeah, it goes against our policy. Not like it's unethical, but like, well, that's not what we say. Here's what they actually say. They say students are excused from reciting or standing for the pledge as long as their parent or legal guardian files a written request. What? Which is also bananas. Like, are you no, kidding? Your rights don't depend on your parents giving you permission. Why are so people so Florida's fucking law, weird? Florida's law is messed up on this. And again, the school district has to follow the messed up law. 
But again, like the law is messed up and this teacher's take on it is messed up because kids can sit for the pledge whenever they want. Yeah. They can protest it if they want to. Just don't be disruptive about it. And that's it. Um, like what the school is not doing any better here. And the only the only upside to any of this, like, OK, the parents of the daughter who took that picture uh-huh. is like, well, we're going to try to get her switched out of the class for good. Yeah. If he comes back. And there was this line for in Goodman? a news report. Oh, sorry. Yeah. This line from a local news report. Other parents told News 4 Jax off camera that they agree with the teacher's opinion and feel he should not be reprimanded. Like, oh my God, show your damn faces so we can figure right. out who the bigots are in this community. Um, do you, know, and you might not know this off the top of your head or have that information available, do you know what the racial makeup of this school is? Um, I don't. Because it feels pretty aggressive the, toward black kids. The student who took the picture and the mom who posted the picture uh-huh. were black. Okay. So, like, they were personally like, dude, you're saying slavery is over? Racism is over because we had a black president? Like, what the hell? Look at I can name three powerful <laughs> black people. Racism right. is solved. That's, that's this guy's take on it. Imagine how ignorant you have to be to think racism is over because you know a few successful black people. Christ. And then that's beyond the pledge thing, which is just illegal to suggest, like, no, you got to say the pledge. It's, you got to stand up during I it. would have to get a permission slip. That's just Florida, which has what all... What the actual fuck, Florida? Yeah. yeah. Y'all, get it together down there. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> all right, I got one more silly one for you, then we'll take a short break, because I got exciting news. Um, but this is just hilarious. David Barton, he's that Christian pseudo-historian who just makes up things about how our historical past is all steeped in conservative Christianity. Oh, yeah. Like, everything the Founding Fathers did, they just took it from the Bible, copy-pasted, made the Constitution. Mm -hmm. That's David Barton for you. He said in a video this week that one time he was invited to debate an atheist. American atheists or actually, what did he call them? Uh, He called them American Atheists Association, which doesn't exist. He said he got challenged to a debate by them. They wanted to debate him over religion and the founding fathers and whatever. And they called him up and they said, can we set up this debate? And he said, yes, sure. Here's the ground rules. And I'm quoting here. Here's the ground rules. I get to speak 97% of the time. They get to speak 3% of the time. They said, that's not a debate. I said, Look at polling. Oh, no. Right now, 3% of the nation does not believe in a God. 97% does. If I go on there and only get 50% of the time, I have given them 15 times more than what they've earned. Earned? Earned. What? Yeah. That's the dumbest thing this I've is ever how he heard does in debates. my entire life. Yeah. So all debates should just go on where people are already standing at. And by the way, he's wrong. It's not 3% atheist. It's at least a quarter, no matter how you want to slice this thing up. Um, But the point is probably higher if you're looking at nuns. Like 70% of people are religious, maybe less. Yeah. But in any case, like in his mind, debates work because like, well, I have the popular position. Therefore, you don't get to talk at all. That is that's what he the knows fuck this guy knows math as much as he knows history as much as he knows science and by the way i checked uh-huh. he told this story before oh uh, but when he said it about three years ago he said american athe- i told american atheist association that they you know i get to speak 92 percent of the time oh like, mm, our numbers went down yeah i know oh. it's amazing how this one memory yeah by the way i asked american atheists have you ever invited david barton for a debate <laughs> Their answer? No. No, absolutely We don't have any not. record of inviting Nobody wants to debate that fuck. <laughs> this is the guy the Christian right and the Trump administration goes to as like the go-to guy for history of our country. Yeah, it turns out when you just make up whatever garbage you want, history looks really different. I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, so. Jesus. I, God, this guy. I first heard of David Barton on, uh, he was on The Daily Show Yes, he was. Yeah, John Stewart interviewed him. Yes, and, for a long I, segment. And I had no, I watched the like he did an extended when they yes, put up online, did. and I had never he- I I had never heard of David Barton, so I didn't have any context. Yeah. But I remember watching it like, fuck this guy. Like, what <laughs> are we doing here? Yeah. And I like I so distinctly remember John Stewart being like so so much less frustrated than I would have been of just like what no that's not <laughs> that's not it. Yeah, it was it was a tame interview. Like I wish she would have gotten angrier if I remember correctly. Right. 
But David Barton, he's, yeah. he's so he's so much of a liar that he wrote a book about Thomas Jefferson mm-hmm. and his Christian publisher had to remove it from the bookshelves because there were so many obvious errors oh my God. that people pointed out. That is Christian. They published the Bible and they're like, too many mistakes in David Barton's <laughs> book. They pulled it and like he had to republish it himself oh my God. under, I think, Glenn Beck's <laughs> line. Um, oh my God. Last time I was in DC, this is just a sidebar. Um, you know the Jefferson Bible? Yeah. So if if you don't know, Jefferson um took a Bible and removed all of like the magical stuff and rewrote it like so it was just a nice morality thing about, you know, a hippie who liked sex workers. Um when I was in DC for a reason rally, it was the last time I was there. A few years back. Yeah, 2012. They had an actual Jefferson Bible, so you can see he like took a razor to it and like cut pieces out. It was just, it was really cool to see. Anyway, that was Jessica's sidebar. <laughs> um, I have we have a sponsor for the episode, yeah. and I'm so excited to tell you about it. So we're all familiar with the dangers of religious extremism, Mm -hmm. but in the film Islam and the Future of Tolerance, two men approach that topic from a very different perspective. Sam Harris, as many listeners probably know, he's an atheist who has said Islam is the motherload of bad ideas. He says the radicals are the ones reading the Quran literally, while moderates are providing cover. Majid Nawaz is a former Islamic radical who is now a much more liberal Muslim, He believes that even a literal reading of the Quran requires far more nuance. And so their first conversations were predictably combative. This film is about how they went from butting heads to discussing a controversial topic with mutual respect. Doesn't say one view is correct. It's about the process. And at a time when polarization seems to surround us, this film offers hope of overcoming it. So Islam and the Future of Tolerance can be rented or purchased on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and Vimeo. And if you go to the Vimeo link in our show notes and use the code 10OFF, 10 off, on the HD version of that film, you'll get 10% off the price. So check it out. Thank you. Thank you. And so let me go to this story of an Oregon man because it seems like it should be a Florida man story, yeah. but it's an Oregon man story. And it's actually an older story. It's like years old. And then he popped up in the news again this week. This, guy name is, this guy's name is Michael Bowman. He hasn't filed his taxes since 1999. Oh. And the reason is he says, well, my tax money is going to be used for abortion. And I don't like abortion, so I shouldn't have to pay my taxes. And this man is saying this from jail, right? (laughs) (laughs) He is not in jail, but he is currently this week. uh, He just had a three-day jury trial. That's why he's in the news. This this guy's now like the the government's going after this guy. The IRS is going after him, saying, "Look, we gave you plenty of opportunities to fix this. Yeah, you haven't. We're suing you." Yeah. So anyway, his trial was this week. But this argument that, like, well, I don't like where my taxes go, so I don't have to pay. I don't want kids in cages. Yeah. I'm you not, pay your taxes. I don't think we need to spend 45 trillion gazillion dollars on, like, fucking invisible jets or whatever the fuck the military is doing. Or wherever Trump is golfing this yeah. weekend. Like, again, that's not how it works. You pay your taxes. You can vote people mm-hmm. in or out based on how you think it should be spent. But also... Federal dollars don't pay for abortions. I wish they did, uh-huh. but they don't accept uh, in like rare circumstances to save a woman's life. Like Planned Parenthood does get many money from the government, mm-hmm. um, but it's to reimburse them for services that are not abortion. Right. <laughs> they right. don't get money to perform abortion. They don't get reimbursements for it. Um, and also the courts have said, like, if you have a religious objection to paying your taxes, mm-hmm. you don't get to not pay your taxes. Yeah, that's you, not how that's that works. That's not how yeah. it works. So uh, this, and here's the thing. A few years ago, the Oregon Department of Revenue, they said, look, you're not paying your taxes. You need to pay your taxes. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to go into your bank account and take money because we can do that. In your face, the government. there's $12 in there. Well, <laughs> what he did is he said... Well, if you're going in my bank account, I'm basically going to cash all my work checks and just leave the minimum amount in my bank account (laughs) so you can't touch it. Government calls that felony tax evasion. And the judge said, no, you can technically do that. It's cool. Really? (laughs) Yes. 
God. But anyway, there were still four counts against him saying you need to pay your taxes and you haven't. Mm -hmm. That's what he's having a jury trial for this week. Um, And basically the the whole argument is that this guy shouldn't be allowed to get away with it just because of his religion. So what is his lawyer's argument? His lawyer says... His belief doesn't have to be reasonable. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be based well, on a correct. Few. Doesn't have to be based on a correct understanding of the law. Mm. It's about what's in his heart and his mind, which doesn't matter because it's nothing. But like, no, it doesn't matter if you're too dumb to understand how things work. Yeah, you still have to follow the law. And just because you feel strongly about it doesn't mean you get to break the law. Being a Christian is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. No shit. That's not how things work. God, He's a freeloader. everybody plays to their own. Like, everybody plays the Christian game, and it doesn't matter if you don't believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> so remember we talked about Joshua Harris, the, the abstinence guy yes. who said, I'm separating from my wife, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm also not really religious anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened with him? He still... And then he showed up at a pride parade. He did. Oh, I missed that. Like he's not because he's gay per se. We, I have no idea. Yeah. But he wanted to show his support. Good. But also there was plenty of criticism like, dude, you are not at the level where it's okay for you who's spent a career trashing LGBTQ people yeah. to go to a pride parade with a smile on your face. Like, uh. you need to do a little more work, buddy. But when we talked about it, we were like, give him a chance because yeah. he has to start somewhere. Right. Like, he's moving in the right direction. Right. So you can criticize him for his past, which, believe me, I understand. <laughs> but also, where else, what's he going to do? If, if he's doing the right thing now, I think you have to give him some leeway to give a chance to do the right thing. Anyway, there's another guy just like him now. Oh. There's a guy, an Australian Picked songwriter. Dude, it's a trend now. There's an Australian songwriter named Marty Sampson. And in Australia, there is a huge megachurch called Hillsong. Like, it's a huge evangelical megachurch whose whole shtick is we're going to make really popular music, and that's how we're going to draw young people into our fold. Well, Christian music has a history of being very good. <laughs> Again, if it's... Uh, there is Christian music that is popular in the Christian world mm-hmm. that does not break into the mainstream, <laughs> but in that Christian bubble, people knew this guy because he wrote songs for... A bunch of bands none of you have heard of unless you were an evangelical. Uh-huh. He wrote music for Hillsong Worship, for Hillsong United, Delirious, which is also a Hillsong band, and another Hillsong band called Young and Free. Like, they just knock out boy bands here and there. Sure. And they're like, look, we put out Sync and Backstreet Boys, and this guy writes songs for all of them, huh. but they're all Christian. Uh-huh. Love us. So anyway, this guy wrote for all of them. So people know who this guy is, Marty Sampson. And then this week he puts up an Instagram post that was apparently very quickly deleted. Really? Yeah. But it said, and I'm going to paraphrase because it's a long thing. Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. And then he goes on like, this is a soapbox moment. So here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love yet send four billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Holy shit. First of all, we talk about it. Plenty of people talk about it. You in your Christian bubble may not talk about it, but everyone else talks about it. He also said, science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. And Christianity just seems to me like another religion. Yeah, but... And he deleted that post... And no one knows what the hell is up. That's wild. Yeah. So when you said he was following in that guy's footsteps, I thought he was taking up the mantle of like of purity culture. No, yeah, no. They're, oh, and it's wow. Unrelated. I don't even know if the two guys know each other, but it happened pretty quickly in succession huh. where you had two prominent Christians known for bringing people into, into evangelical fold, yeah. Christianity saying, wow. I want nothing to do with it. And again, I wish this guy elaborated. I'd love to know when the switch went off, mm-hmm. like, or on, what led him to that path. Like, because I'm sure the path from a popular Christian songwriter to atheist, uh-huh. like, what happened in between and when did that? I'm so curious. Yeah, that's not a one-step process. That's really interesting. Yeah. And interestingly enough, like, his name is Marty Sampson, but he also, there's a picture in the Instagram post of the biblical Sampson, 
And the story of the biblical Samson, the picture he had is Samson pushing down pillars. And if you're not familiar with the Bible story there, the story, I mean, we all know Samson had the hair that Uh was the source of his strength. And then Delilah cut it off. And then when she cut it off, he was captured by the Philistines, had his eyes gouged out because the Bible's cool. And then he was put in prison and then his hair began to grow back and he regained his powers. And then they brought him to like a temple where I guess he was going to fight. I don't remember. Uh And then he's like, well, I have my hair now. So he pushes the pillars of the temple to kill everyone on the inside of it to kind of get back at his enemies, killing himself in the process. That's the picture this guy posted with his uh, little atheism thing, which was just like, a, I know your names sound familiar. They're almost spelled the same, but it's very much a, I have my strength here and I'm going to use it to like take down this whole place with me. Uh-huh. So interesting. Um, I don't know. I've, I've seen a lot of Christian websites say like, you know, this guy wasn't a true Christian, but that's a really hard argument to make when you're talking about the songwriter who spent his whole career spreading the gospel through Christian music. Right. Um, and it, it was really annoying to see some articles just say, you know, he hasn't put thought into this. He didn't think his way through. It's like, dude, you have no idea the journey people go through to like get rid of their faith and how much thought goes into it. And also for this guy who's steeped in the culture to leave it. Right. Like, don't minimize his intellectual journey. Like, Ken Ham said the reason he left is because he wasn't fully indoctrinated. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway. So according to Christian Today, yeah. um, he then um, posted photos of five Christian apologists and encouraged people to check with questions to check them out. William Lee... Lane Craig, John Lennox, Ravi Zacharias. So hardcore Christian apologist whose entire shtick is we're going to prove to you religion is true. Yeah. Um, I Now, I believe, I need to double check this. I wonder what the Instagram name on that is because I don't know if it's the same account because the account that I checked where this guy had posted this message was Mar- no longer like the same one. Marty so, Samps? Yeah, that's the one. So yeah. I don't know if that posting is newer, but... Uh, who knows where this guy's at? I don't get it. Yeah, it's really because he he said I don't know these men personally, but I do watch them regularly regularly and listen to their arguments. If you don't know who they are, perhaps you may want to find out more about them. And then in another post, he shared a, a picture of uh, Dr. Francis Collins, who is the former leader of the Human Genome Project, and with the current quote, guy who runs the National Institutes of Health, and who is a evangelical who is very pro science. Yeah. Quote, the, the evidence supporting the idea that all living things are descended from a common ancestor is truly overwhelming. I would not necessarily wish it to be so, but as a Bible-believing Christian... Oh, I would not necessarily wish that to be so as a Bible-believing Christian, but it is so. It does not serve faith well to try to deny that. Yes, so, I mean, those are the sorts of people you would say, look, if you want to get the Christian side of things, go to those apologists and you could see how they respond to arguments. Though, yeah. if you're an atheist you and you're familiar with those guys, their stuff can be challenged and rebutted and it's happened many, many times. Oh, like, sure. Look up their rebuttal videos. And Francis Collins is just saying like, look, I he compartmentalizes the science stuff, which mm-hmm. he's an expert at. Mm-hmm. And by the way, all scientists are like, I've heard very few criticisms of him as a scientist, virtually none, but he keeps the evangelical stuff separate. So like, that's, that's what you would post if you're someone saying like, look, I've explored this stuff. You should too. Um, and he's, he's giving you the Christian side of things. It's not, it's not like he's saying, go look up Dawkins or whatever, but there you go. Um, did you know our government did something good this week? (laughs) I'll believe that when I see it. So, I think Did it ta- release children from cages? No, no, those, they're still in cages. Oh, okay. um, the, the Food and Drug Administration, um, they issued a statement this week, which in no civilized, decent world should they have had to put out the statement. Uh-oh. The backstory is there is there are churches and individuals who are promoting this idea that if you drink a special bleach concoction, oh, no. it will cure everything from cancer to HIV to Ebola. You know what? I think they did a sawbones on that. We've continue. talked about this, and like it's been in the news for a while. A couple, I think, months ago, there was a group promoting this stuff that was meeting in a hotel in like Seattle, and like the whole hotel had to shut down its Facebook page because they were getting so much criticism for even hosting that thing. They put up the group put up a video where they showed a I don't know if it's real, but like they showed a mother supposedly 
giving her baby the bleach. Again, it could have been water. Yeah. But giving the baby the bleach, and the next thing you see is the kid crying, because of course he is. Because he drank bleach. Um, so this is set, like, uh, it's hard to get a good read on this, but it's uh, infected up to 50,000 people in Uganda. Um, there's obviously no science behind it. It's called the Miracle Mineral Solution, yeah. MMS. Um Sawbones did a podcast about medical history, did an episode about it that came out May 4th, 2019. Uh-huh. I would recommend they like dig into all of like the fucked up shit that's going on there. Yeah. So it totally, totally messed up. And so this in, in 2010, the FDA actually issued a statement saying like, you shouldn't drink bleach. But that hey guy, that is this something we need to tell you? That statement isn't on their website anymore. And I don't know if that's just like a link rot. It just disappeared yeah. over the course of time. But they released a new statement this week, basically saying, stay away from the bleach guys it's bleach (laughs) they said the fda recently received new reports of people experiencing severe vomiting severe diarrhea life-threatening low blood pressure blah 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 the fda is not aware of any scientific evidence supporting the safety or effectiveness of mms products pretty low key pretty low key like the fda is selling Something did you, else. Did you see today, like, they, the Surgeon General put out new warning labels on cigarette packages? It's very, like, we've all seen the ones that are like, don't smoke if you're pregnant. Uh-huh. It's bad for whatever it says. Yeah, yeah. These are, like, pictures that are like, here's the cancer you're going to get on your neck. Yeah. They, like, they're graphic images. When I was in Australia, they had those. And my yeah, a friend of mine smoked... Them. And <laughs> there was one that she hated that was like eye cancer. Uh-huh. And it was just like a fucking eyeball. And she would always ask the person like at the 7-Eleven or whatever to like, can I not have an eyeball one, please? <laughs> it's really upsetting me. Like, good. That's the point. It should upset you. And so now the U.S. is doing the same thing. But I, kinda, I can picture that eyeball so clearly. I can. I wish the FDA had done the same thing where they're like, well, well, don't do it. Here's what happens if you do it. They're very low key, just like we don't have any scientific evidence saying this is a good idea. Uh-huh. It's very much like a Marianne Williamson, like you can skip your vaccine. Right. So you don't have to take them on the schedule and then say you're not anti-vaccine, whatever. Um, but yay, FDA, I think. Like, I'm glad you said the obvious thing, maybe. Yeah. Um, hey, guys, don't eat. Don't drink bleach. Yeah, it's not. not Is this what we have to do now? Do I need to go through like every liquid substance? Like, don't drink dishwasher detergent. (laughs) Just don't. Don't Don't eat Tide Pods. (laughs) Teens. (laughs) (laughs) This is on the flip side of that. The Labor Department issued a ruling this week that said they would like there are religious groups that get government contracts to do secular things. So like, hey, there was a hurricane somewhere in the country and we need a lot of groups doing relief work. There may be a Christian charity that says, okay, well, we can help with recovery efforts. And the government is fine with saying, fine, we'll give you money to to pay you for doing the stuff that you're going to do. Right. But you can't proselytize. Like you have to do secular work here. But it's fine. We'll give we'll let you do it if you're if you're a Christian group or something. But the rule has the what the government did now, what the Trump administration did, is they issued a new rule that says those religious contractors that get federal contracts, uh-huh. they are allowed to discriminate in hiring on the basis of religion. So if you're getting money to do like hurricane relief work. A Christian group could theoretically put up a no Jews allowed sign when they are hiring and say, like, no, we're not even going to look at your resume. It's okay. It's cool with it. Like, government's fine. We still get taxpayer money for doing it. Like, it allows taxpayer funded discrimination. And the whole conservative Christian argument is we just want people who match our values. This isn't about discrimination. Like, that argument. That's what discrimination is. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, they could also reject people who are LGBTQ, uh, single and pregnant, atheists, whatever it is. Because by just saying, yeah, they they could just say, well, they don't adhere to our moral values, so we're not going to hire them. And they're getting government money to do it. It's it's one thing if they do it at their church. Who cares? Right. They're getting taxpayer money to do this. And, of course, the uh, progressive argument here is they shouldn't be allowed to get taxpayer money and discriminate. This isn't a private business. Right. Like, discrimination shouldn't be okay when you're getting this money. So there's going to be 30 days of arguments uh, of, because the rule gets published. There's 30 days of public comments, and then it can go into law. That's bad. Um, 
30 days are happening now, and you can bet there will be lawsuits preventing this from going into effect immediately. But odds are that they're going to get away with another thing that benefits, you know, conservative Christians who want to discriminate because it's not like, I don't know, Jewish groups aren't pulling this shit. Yeah, that's bad. And uh, there was one argument from a Christian right group. They were saying, like, you know, don't don't argue against this rule because eliminating faith-based nonprofits means that fewer foster children will find a forever home. Like, if you say... You guys are the, the ones discriminating. Yeah, you're discriminating. If the government says you can't discriminate and you're like, well, then we're not going to help these kids... That's your fault. You're choosing to leave. You yeah. can't blame the government for saying, no, you just got to not be bigots. And you're like, well, how <laughs> dare you like pick on me? That was their argument. Um, Americans United for Separation of Church and State was pretty blunt about it. We believe no one should be disqualified from a taxpayer-funded job because he or she is the wrong religion, mm-hmm. in big quotation marks there. So. Wow. God, wow. this government... Everyone except the FDA is on my shit list. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy theories or not? Because <laughs> I feel like I'm alone in the world that I, I think he killed himself. <laughs> Which is what they want you to think. But, like, <laughs> it's just been like conspiracy theory o'clock. Um, you know, I think the smartest thing I've heard people say in regards to like, did he really die of suicide or did people try to kill him? Uh, whoever it was, shadowy Clinton-y. Right. Stuff. I think the smartest thing I heard is you are assuming that the people who run these prisons, these government federal prisons, like they hire the best and brightest in the sense that they hire people who always do their jobs and they stick to the rules right. and they make sure these prisoners are, they keep a watch on them mm-hmm. and they make sure the conditions are met. Like, no, they treat them pretty shittily and then the employees don't do the jobs they're hired to do. Right. It is entirely possible that like, yeah, they were supposed to keep watch on him and then they just didn't. Yeah. I mean, my um, thought is he'd already tried to, to end his own life. Then they kept him on watch so he that he watch, wouldn't do it. But then they took him off. Then so they he wasn't on suicide watch. watch. Um, and then like, so he'd already tried to kill himself he was a white dude who's never had to face consequences for anything, who was about to, like, get what's coming to him. Mm-hmm. That's not a place he's comfortable with. The I think, like, he wasn't being properly guarded, and the guard who was guarding him wasn't a real guard. It was, like, a medium guard instead Maybe. of, like, a full-fledged and again, guard. Again, this is the whole point. Like, they're hiring who they can hire. They hire bodies. Right. And that's not to denigrate everyone who works there, but they hire a lot of bodies right. who are just like, just give me my check. I'll do the bare minimum. And it's very possible they saw this guy and they're just like, whatever, another rich prisoner. Like, right. we, it happens. They didn't pay attention and that gave Epstein enough time to do whatever yeah. he did. And also, Who knows? Why are we at, like, I don't know what it happened. Right. But and also, pedophiles don't historically do great in prison. So, yeah. like, he could be avoiding further unpleasantness. Yeah, I just, it's what, like... I love a good conspiracy theory, but this one, and just everybody is so sure that somebody, you know, there's more to it. And maybe there, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not saying anything definitively, but this might be a, uh, an Occam's razor thing, you know, <laughs> like, answer yeah, do the trick. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, and also wait really yeah. quick. One thing that's made me really angry is, and, and I get that people are angry about it because he should have been held accountable. Like this is a miscarriage of justice for sure. But the people who are like, now we'll never know, like, all the things he did. Like, he has victims out there. Like, you're basically saying you wouldn't believe a victim of a known sexual predator? There's a bunch of them. Don't worry. Like, Like, what the... Like, really rethink what you're saying when you say shit like that. Anyway. Um, They they figured out the one thing that might get white evangelicals to turn on Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. We know what it is now. He said, God damn it. He said, God damn Yep, they don't like the swearing. <laughs> so in Politico, uh, so good. Politico said cursing may be the final straw. So you have these people who went to his rallies or are going to his rallies. No, it can't be cursing because he already said shithole countries. So right, we know right. that it's literally just taking the God's name in vain. <laughs> right. The God is yeah. what I said. Um, one West Virginia Democrat, a state senator, Paul Hardesty, actually sent a letter to Trump after Trump did a rally in West Virginia uh-huh. saying to 
stop use the word goddamn because, quote, you are better than that. <laughs> He's Which, better than nothing. Yeah. Like, dude, have you have you been paying any attention here? But in Politico, they basically said, in addition to Hardesty, like, it's not just one guy. There were a bunch of Christians. If you go on Twitter after one of his rallies, mm-hmm. and if he does say goddamn at these rallies, just do a search for goddamn and Trump on Twitter, because you will find Christians like, I can't believe he said that. Really? He just said, send them back to their country. You are fine with that. Like, all the racist shit, you were fine with it. It's But goddamn, you were like, well, I don't know if I could support this guy. Yeah. Really? That's the, I know I've said this before, but I'm going to quote a thing that this preacher, Christian preacher Tony Campolo, used to say in his sermons. Uh, I've said it before on this podcast, but it's oh, so yeah. good. Oh, yeah. No, it's very good. I have three things I'd like to say today. First, while you were sleeping last night, 30,000 kids died of starvation or diseases related to malnutrition. Second... Most of you don't give a shit. What's worse is that you're more upset with the fact that I said shit than the fact that 30,000 kids died last night. And it's that mentality yeah. that is here. Like, there's so many reasons white evangelicals should be, like, humiliated to be associated with Trump. And somehow this is the thing that's, like, the last straw for them. Fucking Weird. Um, and by the way, on the flip side of this... The Washington Post's Julie Zausmer, a religion reporter there, she spoke with 50 evangelicals in three battleground states to mm-hmm. talk about Trump. And they didn't touch on the swearing thing, but they basically said they're even more psyched than ever to vote for Trump in 2020. And they're basically, nothing matters. Well, they love this like, new shade of racism that they tried on. <laughs> they, According to her reporting, they, here's what they see. Here's what these white evangelicals see. A president who acts like a bully, but is fighting for them. A president who sees America like they do. A menacing place where white Christians feel mocked and threatened for their beliefs. A president who's against abortion and gay rights and who has the economy humming to boot. Said one guy, you've just got to accept the bad with the good. Yeah, fuck those people. Seriously. Unequivocally. So what if a couple dozen Hispanic people get murdered by a white supremacist or a baby is traumatized for life or our planet's not going to exist? Somebody made fun of a Christian one time and it was scary and hard. (laughs) And here was the kicker. Oh, my God. This is what one Christian said. He's like, well, there was, you know, the nightmare of the Obama era. He specifically said... He referenced the one time after the Obergefell ruling when the White House was in rainbow lights. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And he's like, that happened, and now we have Trump, and that's a good thing. He actually said, with a little, quote, hint of satisfaction, he said, I didn't see it lit up with the rainbow this June, talking about the White House. (sighs) Oh, my God. They're all dicks. They're nightmare (laughs) humans. I do have a... Like, cruelty is the winner in Christianity now, in evangelical Christianity. Like, the more other people suffer, the happier they are. Well, they they operate life like a zero-sum game. Uh, If you get more, any more rights, then that means I get fewer rights somehow. It's not how anything works, but, like, that's what they think. Just like a giant game of, like, Mortal Kombat or something. Like, if you Mm -hmm. care for the poor, if you turn the other cheek or do whatever the hell Jesus said, you lose. Uh Uh-huh. And so, again, don't call it a good book. Not a good book. Don't call them the moral majority. <laughs> no. Because they're not moral, and hopefully they're not in the majority anytime soon. Don't call them values voters. I hate that they stole <laughs> values. They stole family. family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, they also said uh, 81% of white evangelicals voted for Trump in 2016. Mm-hmm. That's the rough estimate we got from exit polling in 2016. Mm-hmm. He has a 70% approval rating from the same group now. I will be very curious uh, what the number is in 2020 for how many percentage vote for him, white Mm -hmm. evangelicals. Okay, here's the question. Over or under, 81% of them voted for him in 2016. I would like to think it's lower, like a little bit. I'm going to say over. I'll take you over on that. What would that say if it was even higher in 2020 from that? I hope he loses overall, obviously. Listen, the, the Christian right has lost... Lost its mind, but lost any right to call themselves moral, call themselves the party of morals. Like, they have proved time and time again that they care about guns, they care about banning abortions, and to hell with everything else. It does not matter to them that 
people are getting shot dead in the street. And it does not matter to them that children are in cages. That doesn't fucking matter to them. They want control. They're monsters. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Is that your last story? That's enough. Um, oh, if you want to, if you want to come to that DC or Toronto meetup, shoot me a tweet or an email. Uh, you can email us at friendly at these podcast at gmail.com. Um, next week is going to be a different episode. Yeah. You're traveling. I'm traveling for a while yeah. and it's not fun when I'm just talking about myself. So we actually pre-recorded an episode where yeah. we answer some questions that we don't normally hear atheists get asked. Mm-hmm. And so we'll play that next week. We'll be back in two weeks. Yes. And before I go and before I, uh, give a shout out to our sponsor once again, uh, where can we find you at? Uh, you can find me at uh, at on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Um, you can find, uh, I, I'm doing a lot of custom stuff for listeners at my Etsy shop, uh, Bitches Get Stitched Done. I do custom cross-stitch work. Um, some really fun things have just uh, gone out. And that is all that I have. You can find me at, uh, at Hemant Meta on Twitter. You can go to uh Patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Mm-hmm. And we will do this again in two weeks. You'll see here a bonus episode of sorts Yeah, uh, next week. Have a good time. Bye. Oh, thank you so much. Hopefully I'll see some of you guys soon. Bye. Bye. We are all familiar with the dangers of religious extremism. But in the film Islam and the Future of Tolerance, two men approach the topic from very different perspectives. Sam Harris, as many listeners know, is an atheist who has said Islam is the motherload of bad ideas. He says the radicals are the ones reading the Quran literally, while moderates are providing cover. Majid Nawaz is a former Islamic radical who is now a much more liberal Muslim. He believes even a literal reading of the Quran requires far more nuance. Their first conversations were predictably combative. This film is about how they went from butting heads to discussing a controversial topic with mutual respect. It doesn't say one view is correct. It's about the process. At a time when polarization seems to surround us, this film offers hope of overcoming it. Islam and the Future of Tolerance can be rented or purchased on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and Vimeo. That Vimeo link is in the show notes, and if you use the code 10OFF, 10 off on the HD version, you'll get 10% off the price. Check it out.